Welcome to The Pog Show. I'm your host, Christine Martindale, Public Information Officer for the City of Port Orange, a city in Central Florida that is unique by choice, not by chance. I will be bringing you powerful interviews and on-the-go info to gain a better understanding of the various services and functions our city provides. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, to episode 006 of The Pog Show. And Happy New Year. This is the first episode back in the new year, so I hope everyone had a great holiday, and I'm so glad to be back with you in 2021. So I'm going to start this episode off with a question. Do you know the city of Port Orange has a forest? Port Orange owns more than 10,000 acres and shares the rest of the property with Volusia County. And this is why it's often referred to as the city forest because of its large areas of conservation land, timber, habitat for endangered species of plants and animals, and reclaimed water lakes. So to expand on this a little further today, I have with me in the podcast studio, Mr. Steve Edgar, the city's forester. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Good. It's so nice to have you on the show with me today. It's exciting. So I know that you have been part of our city for quite some time now, as I've always been referred to you on many different occasions because you are always a wealth of knowledge in so many areas. So how long have you been with the city of Port Orange? Christine, I worked as a contract city forester for about 30 years. Then I was recently hired full-time as the Port Orange city forester, and I've worked in the capacity about a year and a half. So tell us a little bit about your background before arriving to the city. I grew up in Deland, Florida. I studied forestry at the University of Minnesota, then went on to work for the Division of Forestry as Volusia County Forester. Um, Things were a lot different then. Our our control burning throughout the entire state has been, uh, not the state, but the the central Florida area has been, been shut down due to air quality. But when I was first a, a city forest, uh, county forester, the, uh, there wasn't any regulations of, on control burning at all. They found a kind of a safe weekend and put me in charge of the, the Volusia County area, put me up in the fire tower, and my job was to look for wildfires. Well, I found one. And I, uh, I reported it into headquarters, and then I got in the, the uh, truck with the bulldozer on it, and I drove to the fire. And it was it was backing nicely through the woods, and so I uh, I started plowing, and I plowed, and I plowed, and plowed, and I finally came up with a, on a with a fellow on a horseback, and he was dropping kitchen matches. So not only had I put out my first fire, but I was about to catch an arsonist on my very first time. Well, things turned around when he pulled the thirty-eight out of his saddle holster and pointed it at me and asked him why I was putting his fire out. So. The, uh, the forest investigator had to be called and he negotiated my release and I had to smooth out the fire lines and uh, relight the gentleman's fire. So we, we have changed a lot since, uh, since then. Wow, I can say so for sure. And, you know, I always knew you had a wealth of knowledge, but always loving hearing your stories. <laughs> I never knew, knew that. I've been with the city just about four years and something I learned, something new every day. Um, you know, I had mentioned in my intro about, you know, our forest is more than 10,000 acres in, si- in size. And so maybe if you could expand to our listeners, just tell us a little bit more about our city forest because you know, people here in Port Orange, you know, they know Dunlawton, they know US-1. Um, they probably don't even know that we even have a forest here in, in Port Orange. Most people are surprised to find out about it. 
it's located west of Tomoko Farms Road, south of the of I-4, and north of State Road 44. Geologically, these, these lands were formed as sand dunes and coastal waterways when the sea levels were much higher, and this land formed the ancient beach. The uplands support mostly native pines. If you were walking with me, and we'd start at the wetland edge, you'd, start, you'd first see a slash pine flatwood forest. That's slash pine growing with mostly palmettos in the understory. As you move higher on the ridge, walking a, a little bit uphill, we'd see longleaf pine and wiregrass. And then as we walk higher on the, on the kind of gently sloping ridges, on the highest ground we'd find sand pine growing with a scrub understory. This is the same kind of ecosystem you see in the Ocala when you drive from, uh, from Ormond Beach over towards the Ocala on Highway 40. All of these are fire-dependent systems and require a periodic fire to remain in native condition. The wetlands on our forest are interesting as well. There's a large swamp between Deland and Port Orange known as Tiger Bay. It was much once like the Halifax River. Now with a lower sea level, it supports cypress and hardwood forests. There are areas of organic soil up to 80 feet deep in places. These often have stands of Loblolly Bay, Black Tupelo, and White Bay growing in them. And they've got a thick Leonia understory, all uh, kind of laced together with uh, with uh, cat's claw vine. To get through those areas, you really have to crawl on your, your stomach through the, the game trails. So uh, we call that kissing snakes when you're, when you're crawling through that type <laughs> of ecosystem. We also have a kind of a unique area of, uh, of, of cypress called uh, a hat rack cypress growing there. These are dwarf cypress, natural bonsais. Uh, sometimes they are uh, over 100 years old, but, uh, but are only um, 8 to 10 feet in, in height. All of these systems are, are, are joined and swirl together in broad ridges that, that, that move lower as you, as you move to the west. And then eventually the, the land disappears into the deep swamp of Tiger Bay. It's a, it's a unique system and the interaction of fire and water shape these systems and define the plant communities and then the wildlife are also defined that, that depend on the, the uh, plants for shelter and food. You know, um, so, so in-depth and detailed, um, our listeners listening may be thinking, wow, I'd love to visit. Is this something where um, residents or citizens can visit these wetlands? The, the city has been working on that, and uh, I, I'm sure we could, uh, we could uh, put together uh, visits or tours uh, through the, the park, um, park department if that, if that was a, uh, enough people were interested. Right now, there's a one-way road and really not facilities for the public, so we haven't had, had the, the budget to, uh, to accommodate that. It's also our primary water production area. Our well fields are located in that, this location. Um, and uh, uh, there's some pretty heavy restrictions um, to protect public uh, water uh, source areas. And so the, those requirements would be need, need to be met as well. Now that's, that's good to know because I know this is 
you know, so interesting. And you know, that'll be the first question we get, right? Sure. Oh, how can we visit? You know, I, I, I want to visit because it is beautiful out there. I've, you know, taken a tour being a city employee, just taking a look at, you know, what our city offers and, and the wetlands are a very pretty area for sure. So thanks for capitalizing a little bit more about, you know, what encompasses all our acreage out there. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about pre uh, prescribed burns for sure. a minute because lately there has been, we've had some prescribed burns because I can tell what some of the smell in the air over the last month or so or a couple of months just smelling like oh there's a prescribed burn going on so if you want to elaborate a little bit about um, what we have and prescribed prescribed burns I know it helps the uh, habitat for wildlife and control with evasive plants and weeds and I know a healthy forest is one that is burned often but if you want to elaborate just a little bit about prescribed burns I think our listeners would love to know. Sure, many many people see the smoke and and might get a little ash on their or their car or pool and uh, uh, are, are inconvenienced by this, but fire has been in this system for for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. All the plants and animals have adapted to them, and uh, the the native plants that that occupy these these systems can't really function without uh, fire. It's an important part of the natural system and all the, the native ecosystems in the southeast were shaped by it. Um, most of the uplands averaged a fire about every three years. When the naturalist William Bartram described this part of Florida in the 1770s, he, he said you could see a, wood, a cow in the woods over a mile away. Now you're really lucky to see a, a, a cow 10 feet away. So. Um, with fire protection has come um, really heavy undergrowth buildup. We learned that the hard way in 1998, that we don't really choose if an area in Florida is gonna burn. We can choose when um, and under what conditions. The best way to replicate a natural system is to reintroduce fire under controlled conditions and to repeat the burning to match that original timing. That's, that requires training and care and causes that convenient inconvenience. Um, it's, uh, it's impossible for most wildlife species to even survive without, without this, this burning. Um, they can't eat pine straw. Um, they can't get through the heavy, thick palmetto. If it's hard for people to walk through, it's hard for, uh, it's hard for deer and turkey and, and the gopher tortoises and, and all the other native species. So uh, um, it, it's something that's, uh, that, that's really required, but missing from a big part of Florida. And what's really the best time for prescribed burns? Is it usually like in the winter time, kind of where we're at right now? Because we often have heavy buildups. I mean, um, most of the, the control burning is in the winter when things are cold. Um, a pine tree can only take 140 degrees for about three minutes before it starts to uh, be killed by the temperature. Uh, our object is not to kill the, 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 uh, the, the trees, but to uh, set back the understory. So um, burning in the winter is easier. Um, most of the fires naturally occurred in the summer, and we'd like to replicate that. But it's hard to find dependable winds. Like today, we know the wind is going to be coming out of the north. But uh, um, when there's thunderstorms, it can blow from all points of the compass, and that makes burning a lot more difficult. As we get 
more and more burning accomplished, we can we can burn under different conditions. And if I can get a burn finished by noon, um, that would allow us to do it in the summertime. And they call those growing season burns, and they're they're really recommended by the biologists. And we're working hard to accomplish that. Mm. So that's really good for listeners to know, because you know we'll get calls. You know, I I know when they're coming. Like, oh, we're going to have a prescribed burn, and we're good at putting that out on social media. But for the most part, it's not anything kind of crazy. It's prescribed burns are, you know, it's it's a healthy thing, like you mentioned. So it's always good for listeners to know, because they're thinking, well, what's burning, and so. That is why. So that's really good to know. Um, you know, we, we talked about the, the wetlands a lot. Is there anything that you wanted to capitalize on on the, on the wetlands just um, for, for a quick minute? I know that, um, you know, we've got about 5,000 acres of wetlands out there. So is there anything? I know we touched on it briefly um, just a minute ago, but is there anything else that you wanted our listeners to, to just to know here in Port Orange? When Florida first started to develop, the cheapest way to get land really was to drain a swamp. In the 60s, we started to realize that, that uh, we're losing these wetlands at a very alarming rate, and we, we started to protect them and because of all the many wildlife and the hydrologic benefits. Now it's clear that we're losing our wild uplands at an alarming rate, so they're starting to be protected. But both wetlands and uplands are critical for wildlife. But it turns out that the places where they meet, the join, they join together. Mm -hmm. uh, biologists call that edge, and that's that's really the most important and most valuable types of, of land. So we really need all of them. Um, the city has established a wetland mitigation bank. It's about 5,700 acres, and it's dedicated to to restoring and protecting the natural systems and habitats with a particular emphasis on on endangered and threatened wildlife. Um, this bank wraps around uh, the wells that protect and protects the, the drinking supply, drinking water supply. So the, uh, the land is protected with conservation easements and it will be protected and managed forever in its natural state. That's a that's an accomplishment. I'm really proud. The city has has really done a good job of that. That's great. In fact, you know, I've mentioned on our our uh, Pog show before about our Citizens Academy that we do, and and we've taken um, our classes out there just to take a look. So that's very a fortunate part of the class that they get to go out and check out the wetlands and they had no idea you know they had no idea that it went that far back or that the city owns something that far that far back so um, very very interesting and in fact I'm learning something new every day in terms of what you just just told me that's great and um, you know switching gears just a little bit um, I know that you also serve on an executive committee of the Florida Urban Forestry Council, as well as being the city's forester. So you want to tell uh, us a little bit about what you do as you serve on that board? The Urban Forest Council is, is designed to spread knowledge about how best to take care of and establish the, the trees in, in where people live, in urban environments. Uh, we are really lucky to have a city center that's, that's almost fully shaded. Um, I remember when we planted those those trees, and they were they were quite small. Uh, we're struggling to keep them in place and healthy because as they get bigger, the uh, the roots start to conflict with with infrastructure. But that really happens throughout the the, the city. Uh, we have sidewalks being cracked and, and asphalt being being raised by the root systems. Um, but we've also know 
and studies have, have shown that the places that people want to live have got trees in them, and mm -hmm. mostly big trees. The places where people are the healthiest have got trees and big trees. And the U.S. Forest Service uses the Urban Forestry Council to to disseminate grants and information to try to keep these trees in place, keep the shade, and, and keep it healthy. So as, as we grow, uh, we tend to lose trees, especially the trees that are, are, uh, are there originally. The city is really good at, at uh, requiring trees in new construction. We, uh, we, we're not doing a good enough job keeping and taking care of those trees, and we can do better. Um, we're not doing a good enough job in helping our, our homeowners um, take care of and establish and understand the importance of the, the trees in their yard. Um, sometimes I see trees being removed because people don't like to rake the leaves. Um, and uh, um, if they understood the full benefits of those, those trees, th then I, I, I think it would be, uh, it would be more, uh, our neighborhoods would, would, would be in better condition. So that's a part of my job is to uh, is to help business owners and, and homeowners um, take care and establish the the trees in their in their in their areas. Yep, proper education, and that actually is a good segue to my last question in terms of you know how our citizens can get involved or be more engaged in this area. Are there programs or it's just really being knowledgeable? But is there a way that they can actually take a part in you know in helping and. I, I think so. These these trees at city center were established uh, because of public uh, input. Um, the 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 tree buffers along the major highways were established because of citizen input and and uh, really demand. The first time I pruned these trees, the uh, garden club almost hung me in effigy because they did not like anybody touching their uh, their their trees. Uh, it was necessary pruning, but but uh, I had to explain that under duress. Um, the uh, the best time to plant a tree, and this is a famous saying that I like. Um, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, uh, just like we did these trees at City Center. The second best time to plant a tree is today. Trees are important, and uh, um, if we can find a place where, where shade or color or wildlife benefit is needed, we can plant a tree there. Picture what that tree is going to look like 20 years from now and put the right tree in the right place so it will be there 20 years from now. There's nothing sadder than, than uh, having, having uh, large trees planted in, underneath power lines where we know they're going to have to be cut. So there are trees that can go there, but uh, a, a big tall tree that are, is going to have to be uh, horribly, horribly malformed um, is is not so so let's put the right tree in the right place and uh, check that the root system of the tree that's being planted is in uh, is in good condition and and not going to interfere with the growth of the tree down the down the road um, if uh, people have questions they, they're welcome to get in touch with me um, I'm uh, I'm a city employee now and uh, at, at their disposal and that was my next question in terms of like uh, what how can they how can they reach you What's the best way that they can reach you? Um, really, by email. Um, I, I think uh, a, an email is uh, it's s edgar at portorange.org. Um, it's e d g a r. So so they're welcome uh, to contact me anytime. I can work with uh, businesses and groups, um, and uh, uh, neighborhood uh, associations and individuals to 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 get the right tree in the right place. Right. So just to reiterate, it's actually uh, s edgar 
at port-orange.org. That's right. I always, we always forget that hyphen, you know, I do. and I tend to do that too. So, um, and you know, we are just so fortunate here at City Center. If um, I know many of you here listening uh, are in the Port Orange area, if not, come drive around City Center. It's just so beautiful. We've got just the best trees. We really do. Um, and we're shaded and it's just a beautiful area. So um, I just wanted to thank you. Is there anything that you wanted to add um, with our conversation? It's been very educational. I always like to bring uh, guests on here that are fully knowledgeable on, on their trade and what they love to do. And I know you have a passion for this. So that's why I wanted to bring you on here. And what a good way to kick off 2021 is um, not us being healthy, but our trees being healthy and our environment being healthy. And I think that's super important. So anyway, I wanted to thank you for coming on. And if there's anything you wanted to, in closing. Well, sure, uh, Christine. Let's get you out in the in the woods again. Let's uh, let's do one of these recordings in the in the forest. And, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that because that's what your first question. Can we do it in the forest? <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe maybe we we can someday. That would be great. So I'd uh, love to have you on again, Steve. And again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that. Well, again, there are other ways that you can learn about our city other than the POG show. The best ways are through our city's website, www.port-orange.org, our city's uh, main Facebook page, Port Orange City Hall, and, of course, uh, here at the POG show, which can be heard on iTunes, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. This wraps up Episode 006 of the POG show. Until next time. Thank you so much for spending time with me today on The Pog Show. We've only just begun. And with you sharing, subscribing, and leaving a five-star review for this podcast is really going to help launch us to the next level together. 